2: It sure is. Ah, you smoke like me, Grandmother. Come on. Take a big drag. Like this. Okay, Lappy. <laughs> no! Fun,
3: kid. Um, actually, in that particular instance, uh, Pinocchio and his friend are smoking cigars, not cigarettes. We're going to be talking about mainly, I think, cigarette smoking in movies today. But first, I have to make a soliloquy. I have to perform a soliloquy? What do you do with soliloquies? Uh, I have to say a few things. Well, one of them is I've never smoked a cigarette in my life, not once. Um, there's a small group of us who fall into that category, but at no point was I tempted to try it. Both of my parents were very heavy smokers. I hated it. I hated the sight of full ashtrays around the house. I just loathed every minute of that part of my childhood and adolescence. Um, And then I went from college, where fortunately very few people smoked in my immediate circle of friends, uh, to the newspaper business, where in the 1970s, as you might imagine, a newspaper newsroom, uh, was having some kind of, you know, media, meteorological inversion. I mean, there was just like this just huge, dense cloud of smoke there all day, which I hated. Uh, and you'd go out for lunch with your fellow reporters and they'd smoke there or went out for a beer or they'd want to smoke. I just you couldn't get away from it. And, and there, there I lived through while in the newspaper business, the period where ultimately even newspaper new room, newsrooms decided to get rid of smoking. And I can't tell you how many of my fellow reporters you know, regarded that as torture and would complain directly to me about what was being done to them. And I would look at them and say, really, you feel uncomfortable now, do you? Because you can't smoke. Now, that's so interesting. Anyway, despite all of that, I'm really kind of fascinated by people smoking in movies and on television. And, I mean, I I look for it. I watch it. I find it a very interesting way of developing character and and signaling um, emotional states and and ways in which actors can kind of ply their craft using this extra little prop that they've got that's such an incredibly uh, intimate prop that's very close to their faces. So... We're going to talk about that today, Um, and we're going to talk about it with some uh, great guests. Uh, Obviously, I am not pro-smoking, but it does really interest me. I should also say uh, that there are instances where it gets to be too much. Matthew McConaughey and True Detective, after a while you really can't stand to watch it anymore— Sarah Paulson as Marsha Clark in the O.J. thing. After a while, it's just like, find some other thing to do with yourself. But most of the time, I think it's really interesting. And I want to find out why I think it's very interesting. So joining us is David Edelstein, America's greatest living film critic, film critic for New York Magazine, CBS, Sunday Morning, and of course, Fresh Air. Uh, Also joining us is Richard Klein, professor emeritus of French literature, what else, at Cornell, uh, and the author of Cigarettes Are Sublime, which celebrates its 25th anniversary as a book this year. Um, I'm going to start out with you, David. I mean, we're going to get, as we go along here, to the whole question of whether this should be a much more restricted on-screen activity. But but one of the occasions for having this conversation is the upcoming merger of Disney and Fox. Disney does not uh, permit smoking in its movies. Uh, there are a whole bunch of uh, Fox products in which uh, people do smoke. I, I don't know. What does smoking mean to you when you see it in, in movies that you like?
2: Well tobacco's image in some ways comes from the drug itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, If it works for you, I guess it really can be pretty wonderful. Um, It makes you simultaneously more alert and more relaxed and even keeled. And uh, as you alluded to earlier, it's easier to look contemplative when you're smoking. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can make very coarse, shallow Actors look thoughtful and and cool. Uh, most people who knew Bogart thought he was a, a jerk, a, a vulgar, macho, chain smoking drunk. But you know, give him a cigarette on screen, and uh, there were um, existentialists. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> he looked like Jean Paul Sartre. You know, <laughs> um, and so cigarettes do have that effect, and and I think it's a um, it can be a useful tool. For a uh, for uh, an artist, and I would never want to restrict an artist's uh, vocabulary, and uh, so I'm all in favor for it. If you give it an R rating, if automatically when it appears on screen, kids cannot immediately be allowed to see it, mm. uh, as Disney has now has now said, uh, if it is uh, specifically shown. Um, in a little bit in a little warning and preferably if you also see some sign that it leads to um it leads nowhere but to emphysema and lung cancer and heart disease And and like any other poison, uh, I wouldn't mind if there were a little uh, skull and crossbone that appeared in the corner of the screen whenever somebody did it. So I'm all for artistic freedom, but I'm also for showing the consequences of an extremely influential behavior that has for decades, if not a century, you know, killed so many people or at least, you know, led them like the pied piper or the pied smoker to their deaths.
3: So let me just play around with that a little bit with you. Okay, let's say the classic scene in Bringing Up Baby, where Catherine Hepburn suddenly picks up a cigarette in order to shift into this fake character, right? She's suddenly, she's in this jail, and she suddenly is, for the purposes of deceiving somebody else into the um, uh, uh, annoyance of Gregory Peck, no, Cary Grant, excuse me, uh, she's going to pretend that she's like this tough lady. Do you think, I mean, does that an R rating, right there. I mean, she's—it's got a kind of a comic purpose within the plot. Would well, you? Well, first of all,
2: yeah. c- cigarettes meant something very, very different right. back then. Uh, you know, we didn't—we didn't have this. We—we we knew they were deadly, but well, we—I wasn't alive. But the Surgeon General's report hadn't come out yet, as you said. You know, newsrooms were—it was—you know—it was—it meant something very, very different. Ronald Reagan was was selling them on TV in the '60s. Uh, The '50s and '60s, so um, you know, it's. I don't want to go back and erase. I don't want to. I don't want to do a George Lucas and squeegee out the uh, uh, computer CGI squeegee out the the cigarettes. Nowadays, I would say that you know we might look for a different way for her to project sophistication. I would like to see cigarettes associated with stupidity and vulgarity and (laughs) ill health. Uh, Frankly. And, you know, if she wanted to demonstrate that she was an idiot, um, that she was a really, you know, coarse, garish, vulgar person who, you know, was using all her disposable income on little cancer sticks, if you wanted to show that, that's fine. Give it an R rating. And, uh, you know, I would have liked to... Have, you know, there are there are cases where, where it's a historical picture, uh, you know, there's the... Um, Uh, There was the the famous Edward R. Murrow film that George Clooney directed Mm. in which everybody smoked. It would have been nice if there had been a little um, – that was very much part of Murrow's persona. It would have been nice if there were a little scrawl at the end that said, uh, you know, he died of emphysema and and lung cancer and and so did probably everyone else on screen. But it was very expressive. Mm. It was hugely expressive, you know, to see all those people smoking.
3: Yeah, it's not just that movie though. It's 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 Mad Men. It's uh, I mean these aren't movies, but Boardwalk Empire, The Hour. Uh, are, are I mean, do you really think that people? I don't know. You like movies where people saw each other? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and they get
2: ra- and they're rated R. Yeah. And uh, well, first of all, I don't really like them. No. I did come up with the term torture porn myself to suggest my ambivalence towards them so uh, I don't uh, you know I like I said if, if you want to use them and Mad Men is a is kind of a special case when you look at a historical era I think that you know the idea of these people having bars in their offices and and smoking the way they do was hugely evocative so it's not an easy it's not an easy question at the same time I'm delighted I've seen a lot of movies PG-13 movies not by Disney but by other studios that kids can see and are very influenced by in which characters look cool when they smoke. And even the Billie Jean King movie, um, you know, and, and historically it's true that Virginia Slims did bankroll that, uh, you know, the, the first professional women's tennis tour because they saw it as a way of promoting their brand. But I thought the movie presented it in a much more positive light than it deserved to be. I mean, any any tennis player who chain smokes Virginia Slims is not going to be much good on the court after a few years.
3: Well, I, well, I mean, there's there's there, there certainly are risks associated with smoking, but there have been
2: there and, certainly are
3: risks uh, yes. associated
2: with well, smoking. Yeah, no, but I, I was going to well, say, duh. I was going to say there are yes. also a lot
3: of athletes who have managed to go through their whole careers with while being smokers. Um, it, right. Well, then talk to them when they're seventy. Right, and it's certainly if you know they get to seventy exactly. And Jerry Remy from the Red Sox is a great example, a guy with lung cancer now, but. Um, I want to go back to movies, though. It seems I'm sort of surprised at how much of a flag you want to wave here because obviously you're a very subtle appreciator of, of movies and of nuance so I'm going to pick another thing we don't we tend not to agree about very much and that's Wes Anderson movies so people sm- <laughs> <laughs> you know. I knew this
2: was coming right. up well people smoke I, you, a lot you, you, lo- you don't like his animated yeah. movies
3: they, they, people smoke a lot in Wes Anderson movies and they smoke a lot on the set apparently Angelica Houston has said that she likes to work on Wes Anderson movies because she usually has quit smoking and then she goes on the set and everybody's smoking whether they're on camera or off and so she yeah, can you know, I've
2: met a lot of actors and I've met a lot of directors Mm. and a lot of them smoke and maybe it's because many of them are borderline schizophrenic and and we know that smoking does help schizophrenics. Um, If you go to Silver Hill or the Institute of Living, you're going to find, you know, 98 percent of the the patients will go outside to smoke, Um, which is not to say that that all smokers are schizophrenics. But but artists live live, you know. On the line, they put themselves on the line. And uh, I understand, uh, you know, it is energizing and it is uh, mellowing at the same time. And I could understand how, uh, you know, I guess I'm like you, I, I feel very lucky. I think I would have been dead now had I taken it up because I could just imagine myself drinking coffee and smoking and leaning over a typewriter. And, uh, and I'm, I'm very, very lucky that I did not pick up that addiction.
3: But, but but no, I can I can't. go back to Wes Anderson. Yeah, so in Wes Anderson okay, movies, sorry. smoking is equated with depression, right? Uh, the de- the characters who are depressed smoke. Gwyneth Paltrow in Royal Tenenbaums, Bill Murray uh, in Rushmore. I could go on and on. And and there's, I mean, in Rushmore, Bill Murray, it's sometimes is smoking two cigarettes at once or diving off a diving board with a, a lit cigarette in, in his mouth, and he's clearly this incredibly depressed person. I mean, Bill I think, Murray, yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow, yeah. Look at them. Bill Murray
2: is the epitome of hipness whatever you whatever role he's playing. Mm-hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow at least at the time was not a was not a joke. Uh you know, uh, although I don't think Goopy Paltrow would let real real uh, tobacco enter her system uh unless it was, you know, very specially farmed, you know, mm-hmm. and cost, you know, a great deal of money. Um but uh you're you're talking about very glamorous actors and, and the the characters in Wes Anderson's movies, I think a lot of people see those movies and want to be those guys. I mean, you're in college, you're on a college newspaper, you're a play you're in a you're in a play, you're sitting around in some you know, you're sitting around philosophizing, you know, you're you're you know, like T. S. Eliot wrote "Proof Rock." You know, when he was in college, um, you know that is exactly your market for for hooking people onto these cancer sticks.
3: Um, I want to add uh, Richard Klein to this conversation. I've been hearing him make a few noises there in the background. Uh, once oh. again, the author of uh, Cigarettes Are so- Sublime. I'm assuming that, given the title of your book and the content of your book, um, you're probably not 100% in, in the David Edelstein camp a- about this topic.
1: Not entirely, not 100%. I'm just curious, uh, in your case, do you drink alcohol? Who, me? Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, do you um, eat meat? I do. You do. Well, you know, Hitler n- n- uh, neither drank nor smoked nor eat meat. Uh, Donald Trump neither smokes nor, I guess he eats meat, thank God, but um, he doesn't smoke and he doesn't drink alcohol.
3: Well, I mean, um, I, I, I think that's a kind of, a, I mean, Gandhi didn't smoke either. He's a pretty cool guy. So, I mean, uh-huh. I mean, who cares whether... I am I'm, I'm not impressed by that particular argument. I mean, by that by that uh, argument, we should lock up everybody in the wallpaper business because uh, ah. they're on the paper. So I, I just I don't you know, I don't think that those that's particularly. Can way.
2: I can I just say one thing in the defense of that? Actually, I mean, as someone who has struggled with alcohol in my life, which is no secret, I um, you know, alcohol can, is is a poison. It's a toxin. Uh, it also can be managed and can lubricate social intercourse and as in fact can be a very healthy thing it can also be a very deadly and a horrible thing I I would definitely say that you know you don't have a G or a PG rated movie in which people drink alcohol but if you're gonna present you know someone having a glass of wine in a in a dinner scene you know you put that again you put a warning alcohol consumed and, and, and you, you do it. But I realize it's a slippery slope. This is not an easy question. Dumb so I understand I the, say, I understand I the point. How, excuse me. I'm sorry. No, go ahead.
1: I just wanted to say, I wanted to ask the question, if we, you know, um, the decline in smoking has improved American health. Forty-five percent, there's been a, a decline in death rates from lung cancer, 45 percent from 1990 to 2015. My question is, will anything be lost? If we lose cigarettes, you don't seem to think so, David Ilstein. Let me just name some of the benefits of cigarettes, uh, which seem <laughs> to have been neglected. In the first place, cigarettes are a great consolation for many people in times of loss. Cigarettes kill times since the 19th century. They've been used uh, as a way of killing boredom. Um, waiting, that's why journalists uh, smoke so much. It calms hunger. That's why women smoke. It helps uh, keeping weight down. It's contradictory, as you said, David. It it promotes concentration, that's why lots of writers smoke, but it also promotes relaxation. It's a great source of relief and release, particularly in times of stress. In times of stress and anxiety, uh, nicotine and cigarettes are a great tool. And nicotine has the curious physiological power. On one hand, when you're anxious, you take a puff of a cigarette and it immediately increases the anxiety. It raises your pulse and your blood pressure, but it focuses the anxiety on the source of it, which is the tobacco. But nicotine has this amazing power in a second time to reduce your pulse and your blood pressure, which produces an effect of uh, relaxation. That's why General Pershing wrote to the war department, uh, send us tobacco, we need tobacco more than we need uh, food because tobacco is what you use when you're confronting situations of great stress.
3: I feel like we're uh, getting a little I, off the rails. You know, a- uh, you know, Mr. Klein, I feel like we're getting a little off the rails here. I mean, to me, the, to me, uh, look, I, first of all, I don't think you can really construct much of an argument for cigarettes having a net positive effect on much of anything. But, I mean, oh. I, I wasn't really here or to, to host a debate about that. To me, it's just more, much more interesting you know what it means when when it's depicted in 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 movies and television how
1: well may i just yeah. try and say that because okay i i want to start with the benefits of cigarettes but i'm not really so interested in the benefits i'm really interested in the beauty of cigarettes that's what's uh, being lost the beauty of cigarettes ha- have has been praised you know since the 19th century in poetry and in movies uh, people celebrate this little sacrifice that you perform, you know, uh, where you're, you're manipulating fire, uh, manipulating fire, in at the end of your hand, Socrates says that when you smoke a cigarette before a beautiful landscape or when you see a beautiful spectacle, you're performing a kind of little sacrifice in which you're symbolically appropriating what you see. For many people, uh, the beauty, the, the, the particular beauty of cigarettes is a negative beauty. It, it tastes bad. As a matter of fact, your next guest, uh, who has written that amazing uh, article about vaping in The New Yorker, writes, I like cigarettes because they were gross and terrible for me, a way of confronting everyday stresses in a manner that seems suitably destructive and illogical. And that's precisely the point. The sublime pleasure of cigarettes, the sublimity in this case, refers to the particular kind of aesthetic pleasure, which always has a negative moment, a a kind of uh, intimation of mortality. Uh, Kant, for example, or Burke talks about walking in the Alps and suddenly seeing an abyss open up in front of you. If you don't fall into the abyss, abyss, in a second moment, you have this feeling of of pleasure, of intense, what Kant calls sublime pleasure at the prospect of mortality. It's precisely because cigarettes taste bad
2: because they are bad, that they're good. Can, the I, can yeah, I just yeah, interject yeah, here? Yeah, let's, I, I look here. You know what? This is going to sound incredibly patronizing, and it's not. I love. I'm being so transported by what you're saying right now. I'm ready to light up a cigarette myself. It's who, beautiful. Who and you know what? If people, you know, drugs, if drugs weren't fantastic you know on some level they wouldn't be popular i know people i've never done heroin but i know people who say that you know you use it and you see the world the way you want it to be um you know uh uh many people have Aldous Huxley has written some beautiful prose while you know mescaline was tickling through his cortex. I I, I understand everything you're saying and and I'm not going to and this isn't gonna be a discussion about banning tobacco. In in the case of movies, I'm less interested in, you know I would like to see our ratings when it was simply when it was depicted in film because it has a profound influence on just those sorts of people who don't savor a cigarette while gazing at the landscape. We're talking about, you know, 12 year olds. We're talking about adolescents who get cooked at a very early age because, you know, and this has been directly there is a direct correlation, uh, you know, bec- between, you know, seeing it in positively depicted on screen and picking up the habit. Uh, you want to kill yourself when you're, when you're 20 years old or 21 years old. You want to, you, know, uh, you know, maybe you think that the loss of a few years is worth it. A small price to pay for beauty. Small price, price to pay for sublimity. Um, by all means, go ahead. Don't smoke it near me. But by all means, go ahead. But what I'm really concerned about is this positive depiction in
3: film. Um, I'm going to quickly. We're going to take a break here uh, and we'll come back. We'll have more of this conversation. Uh, We're talking about what it means and how smoking is used symbolically in movies. Are you all right, sir? Fine. How have you
1: been? Fine, sir.
0: Good.
1: It's a good thing you were wearing that helmet. Yeah. What should we do now, sir?
2: Well, are we stopped? We're stopped, sir.
1: Good. Well, why don't we take a five-minute break? Very good, sir. Smoke if you got them.
3: right? That's from Spaceballs. Um, So we're talking about something that has intrigued me for a very long time, uh, and it's what it means, how smoking is used uh, in movies to develop character. With me right now is David Edelstein, America's greatest living film critic uh, for both New York Magazine, uh, also Fresh Air here on WNPR, CBS Sunday Morning. So, David, I still feel like I'm I'm not having the conversation I want to have, but maybe that conversation is impossible. I mean, do you, as somebody who's watching a movie, let's, let's set aside the question of let's stipulate all right people smoke it should be R-rated um, when, when you're watching a movie I'll give you some examples Um Kirsten Dunst in *Virgin Suicides*. All my examples are going to be women for some reason right now, but uh, Kirsten Dunst in *Virgin Suicides*, Scarlett Johansson in *Lost in Translation*, Anne Hathaway in *Rachel Getting Married*. You know, these these are characterizations where I would argue that the person smoking is smoking for a specific reason that's meant to say something about the character. I mean, do you as a critic kind of are, are you intrigued by sure. that idea? Yeah.
2: Sure, it's shorthand. it's It suggests a kind of detachment from the world. It, mm-hmm. you are You are removing yourself from the world, and you are doing so in a way that is not you're not dulling your faculties the way you do with alcohol or with, with marijuana in certain uh, films, but you are supposedly you are in, you are increasing your alertness. So so it is a it is a kind of artistic state that you are invoking it may it may be born of depression um but depression on film uh you know you know when it's embodied by bill murray or gwyneth paltrow is a very very glamorous state it's an enlightened state i'm i'm not you know if it weren't so seductive um, I wouldn't be so upset by it. Um, it's enormously seductive. You can understand why generation after generation would see these things and would imitate them, um, and and maybe even convince themselves that they were feeling what those characters feel. Yes, of course. I know exactly what you're what you're saying. I could not agree more.
3: Yeah, I, I just find it. I mean, for example, and I, I I don't watch as much television as you watch uh, movies but in the series The Killing, Murray Enos who in addition to being a very interesting actor is also a Mormon. I always wonder how if you're a Mormon and you have to smoke as your character how you deal with that but she plays a, a police detective who is among other, struggling with a million inner demons but one of them is that she's tried to quit smoking. She's constantly cracking and snapping uh, Nicorette type gum but uh, over the course of the series she drifts back into smoking and as you watch that happen without you know necessarily having to be spelled out in in some heavy-handed way, you realize that this is meaningful in a bunch of other. There's just sure. ways in which she's sort of letting a whole bunch of carefully constructed good habits fall apart.
2: Characters who are um, who are trying to reg who need help in terms of regulating their emotions. Um, it's fascinating from you know dramatically to create a character. I mean, in in House. You know the 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 surgeon, the Sherlock Holmes surgeon, is is fighting an addiction, a painkiller addiction. In Sherlock Holmes, in the Sherlock Holmes stories, he's a cocaine addict. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's always fascinating to watch characters struggle with, you know, especially very high strung characters who are having trouble managing their lives, either you know for internal reasons or because circumstances are so horrific. It, that that's drama. That's that's internal drama. And that's fascinating to see. And it gives an actor, you know, wonderful stuff to play, (laughs) wonderful stuff to play. I mean, if a character a character divided against him or herself, there's nothing you would rather see than that. I mean, God knows, uh, 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 you know, probably the ultimate Hamlet will be a smoker, (laughs) you know, arguing with sitting there to be or not to be, you know, uh, I'll smoke some more of this and I won't be, Um, (laughs) you know, that that would be. That would be a very interesting hamlet, and, and I'm, I might be open to it from from one perspective.
3: Yeah, although you know, that's a thing that happens these days, too. And once again, I, I couldn't have grown up as a more radical anti-smoker, and I still think it's disgusting and I hate it. But um, I've been in theaters recently where a character on stage smokes, and people in the audience act like they've been tear-gassed. Uh, I mean, they're like, you know, 40, 50, 60 feet away from this person. <laughs> and, and suddenly there's this, like coughing, you know, like somebody is smoking in my presence. And once again, I'm looking at it. I, I saw a Romeo and Juliet uh, where Lady Capulet smoked. It was, you know, it was amped up into a, a different time frame. Uh, and there were these people just, you know, in the audience, like they'd just been attacked. Uh, and I'm thinking, it really can't be bothering you that much. <laughs> Um, well, well, you know,
2: secondhand smoke. Dan. Secondhand I mean, smoke. It's, yeah. no, uh, I get it. It's a. Uh... Yeah. But you know what? I see people feel the same way when they when they put that ridiculous smoke on stage, you know, that, right. uh, that you know, is meant to sim- simulate fog. All of a sudden, the coughing begins even before it reaches the audience.
3: So let's kind of split movies up for a second between um, post-surgeon general's report and pre-surgeon General report. So pre-surgeon general's report, I mean, that's an artificial demarcation, but we got to have something. So as we suggested earlier, this was just, I mean, it, it wasn't any kind of character trait to smoke in a movie because pretty much, you know, I mean, just huge numbers of characters smoked in a movie. It didn't really seem to mean anything. But it also did, I mean, if you have... You know, 500 people uh, who are all playing baseball, it's going to turn out that three or four of them are really good at it. Uh, And and I I think it could be argued as you watch some of these movies, you probably even know this quote from Roger Ebert, where he's talking about the movie Out of the Past and he says, There were guns in Out of the Past, but the real hostility came when Robert Mitchum and Kirk Douglas smoked at each other. Uh, There were people like Belmondo and Davis, and you mentioned Bogart, who, who really were able to do something, right, with this habit that wasn't even that unusual usual, a habit at the time.
2: Well, it's it's a it's a really good tool for actors. For one thing, even before the method, even before Stanislavski, you know, the idea was to find a way to be to be present, to be to be um, to be all there. And there's nothing better than it. handling a prop. Is a way of putting everything in the present tense. Mm-hmm. When you smoke, you you're not faking smoking. You know, well, I guess you could be faking smoking, but that's a real thing you're doing. That gives you something to concentrate on in the scene. In some ways. It focuses your concentration in a way. It gives. It also gives you a rhythm. There's something wonderful about you know the rhythm of smoking, the rhythm of taking a puff, thinking, saying a line, taking another puff. It makes thinking active. You know any device that an actor can use on screen to make to make thinking not a passive state but an active state. You know you seize on. And that's what these actors did. That's what they were specialists in. Right. It was symbolic. Del know all these people. It was really
3: symbolic of thinking in particular. There's there's a political commercial that was done uh, during the Johnson-Goldwater race. Uh, I think it ran maybe once, if at all. It's like this really long commercial. It's four or five minutes long. Uh, And it's just a guy sitting there talking to the camera, a guy in a suit, white guy in a suit. Um, And he's talking about how he's basically a Republican but Goldwater- Really scares him. And he's talking about this in this very kind of open ended, kind of meditative way. And about halfway through this political commercial, he takes out a pack of cigarettes and, and lights up a cigarette and pauses and talks some more. And when I teach that commercial in, in, in media classes, I say, at that moment, you know, in 1964, smoking somehow or other meant thinking. That's what he's, that's why they're having him do that, the directors of that commercial, right? That smoking. Thinking he, and establishing intimacy.
2: Right. Establishing intimacy because it does create, if two characters are smoking or if someone who's talking to you is smoking, it is also a way of establishing intimacy.
3: You know, so let's go post Surgeon General's report for a second. You know, there are a lot of ways in which I, I look at this and I, I wonder whether it's and I'll give you an example. This is, might be an interesting one to debate. At the beginning of Manhattan, you see Woody Allen and his friends and they're out to dinner and Woody Allen's character is smoking. I think it might be the only time you've ever seen Woody Allen smoke in a movie, but he insists on getting a cigarette from somebody after the meal and he kind of talks about how sexy uh, it, it makes him look. He, just, he isn't really a smoker, but he just thinks he looks so sexy when he's smoking and he's Smoking, And he's obviously not looking sexy, not one bit. Um, And then, of course, later on, we we find other reasons why we might not trust the judgment of this person at all. Um, And I I sort of wonder, as I look back at that movie, and obviously people will be debating that movie and the Mariel Hemingway stuff and the stuff that came after in his real life forever. I sort of wonder, because Woody Allen doesn't smoke, right? So I'm thinking, I I wonder about that scene, whether he used the smoking as a way of saying, you know, this guy isn't really exactly me and I don't entirely you know, endorse the way that he behaves.
2: He definitely he definitely was using that as a dramatic tool. Mm -hmm. And and you can use smoking. I I mean, I guess I'm not as averse when you use smoking in a sort of a negative way or, um, you know, to suggest insecurity, to suggest wanting to project cool as opposed to being cool. Mm -hmm. I had an interesting experience where where about 20, 25 years ago, I wrote a profile of the. Uh, late Saturday Night Live comedian uh, Jan Hooks, whom mm-hmm. I adored. She was a chain smoker. Yep. She was a three-pack-a-day, shaky-hand, nicotine-stained chain smoker. But I wrote the piece for the late magazine uh, Mirabella. and uh, An excellent Grace, magazine. It was, yes. You wrote for it yourself. And, you know, Grace Mirabella, her husband was a leading cancer researcher. Mm-hmm. And the rule was you could not mention cigarettes. And I felt... Because I put it in that she you know chain smoked throughout our entire interview through our our two interviews, and I felt that I was being robbed as a writer of a way of characterizing her, and I was very resentful, and I fought it, and eventually I was able to get it in you know jitterily pathetically chain smoke you know mm-hmm. sticking one cancer stick after another into a face i't know I had to characterize it in some you know some some somewhat negative way in order to get it in and, and uh, in under you know under protest, Grace was was not happy at all. Um, so I I do sympathize with this. I and, and I kind of wish that there were other ways. Maybe it's a lack of imagination that there are not other ways for an artist, for a writer, for a director, for an actor to show the same things. Um, sometimes actors complain about it. There's a very famous case in Avatar of Sigourney Weaver. Right. Um, you know, coming out of her atmosphere control, coming out of hyper sleep or whatever it is, and asking for a cigarette, and she smokes for five minutes on screen mm-hmm. and she did not she actually? The actress didn't want to do that. She tried to persuade uh, uh, James Cameron to let her character do something else. She even suggested an inhaler, which would be more appropriate if you're in a you know atmosphere-controlled base facility. Um, but uh, but you know he wanted that as a way as a shorthand of characterizing her. It was effective, but he could have come up with something else. It's also a little cheap.
3: Yeah, no, but I think that in that characterization there is this kind of Thanatos urge being played out right that that's that's what's kind of hanging over that character and that's why that character in that movie smokes yes no
2: uh- so you're saying you're saying it's a good way of showing a death instinct, yeah. in you know in a character.
3: I, 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 yes, I do, uh, and I think it's done that way a lot. Go back to Kirsten Dunst in Virgin Suicides, but I could come up with a. Okay, with it. Yeah.
2: sure, but what Virgin Suicides was rated again. I'm getting back to the rating thing. Virgin Suicides was rated R. Avatar was rated PG-13. Lots of kids saw it. Yeah, I wish there had been another way for that point to have been made. And I think there. I mean, I'm. I'm not James Cameron. Far be it from me to tell him what to do. But I would like to see uh, filmmakers start to be a little bit more resourceful, at least when they're they're doing PG
3: thirteen films. It's interesting, too. Speaking of James Cameron, that you know, as the um, Terminator movies go on, I think it's in Terminator Two, Linda Hamilton starts smoking, and and I think it's. Once again, the suggestion there is that she's sort of at wit's end. She realizes now that she's probably just this kind of intermediary prop to get her son into position to do battle with our our cybernetic enemies of the future and stuff like that. But, you know, when you watch it, it's kind of interesting. She doesn't smoke in the first movie. She smokes in the second movie. And there's that, I think, that implication, again, of Thanatos that, you know, that she's kind of embracing death for herself anyway.
2: Well, I'm often at wits End, and I don't see any way to go and I think the world is about to end yeah. and i don't I don't pick up a cigarette, and I'm sure if I were an actor i'm I might a resourceful actor I might find another way of showing that, or else I might show show a big bottle of bourbon at my side chugging it, which is another way in which filmmakers have have shown have shown characters in the same situation. I think she needed her warrior instincts about well, her yeah, you can't fight so robots when you're would, drunk probably was not a drinker. Yeah. Um, All right. But I, you know, I understand. I know I know you're a little bit... Uh, I know we, we started off with this R-rated PG-13 thing, and right. I hope we've segued into something a little more uh, appreciative and analytical about what smoking means from a dramatic standpoint.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It has been, as it always is, a pleasure to talk to my friend David Ebellstein, America's greatest living film critic. Uh, we have to uh, break away now. We're going to come back. We're going to have a conversation. Uh, well, we have to just like like everybody else, like the rest of the human race. Apparently, we have to segue into vaping.
1: Two cigarettes
0: in an ashtray.
3: There's, uh, no smoking in this building, Miss Trammell.
0: What are you gonna do? Charge me with smoking?
3: That's a Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct. That's another thing that smoking has typically been used to uh, signal in movies, particularly once again, uh, I would argue with women characters, is danger, uh, right? Danger, uh, somebody who's going to be disruptive. Uh, I'm thinking also of Christina Ricci uh, in The Opposite of Sex. Uh, lots of instances of that. All right. We've come to the part of the show where typically Kion Wolf is here to say thank you to people. She's not, so I will say the thank yous. Uh, this show was produced by Jonathan McPants. Uh, Betsy Kaplan is running the board where Kion Wolf Usually is. I'm looking around and see who else I have to thank. Uh, I can't really think of anybody off the top of my head. part of Bill Curry was played by Liv Tyler. Can I just say that, although I really, as I've said a couple of times in this uh, course of this show, although I've never smoked even one cigarette in my life, I do enjoy watching certain actors use smoking as a, as a character tool. In the case of Liv Tyler, I saw her spoke in so many different roles that when she played an elf in Lord of the Rings, it really bothered me because I kept thinking, you know, she probably wants to have a cigarette, but she's an elf. Uh, all right, anyway, tomorrow we'll be doing The Nose. We'll be down in New Haven to do that with uh, one of our New Haven panels. Uh, uh, we're certainly planning to talk about Donald Glover and the new video, This is America, which has, uh, I think— um, I kind of almost introduced a a new vocabulary into talking about a lot of issues that we've been struggling with for quite a long time. I don't know what else we're going to talk about. We'll figure that out. Joining us right now, we're so excited to have, uh, joining us via Skype, I believe, uh, Gia Tolentino, staff writer for The New Yorker. Her story, The Vapors, appears in the May 14th issue. She joins us by Skype. I should also say that in addition to never having smoked, I have never vaped. I will probably never do either one of those things. Um, Although I was interested to watch two... Uh, consecutively or simultaneously filmed Dave Chappelle specials recently, and uh, Dave Chappelle is just an uh, unapologetic, unreconstructible smoker. But he vapes in one of them, and he smokes in the other one. And I think they were recorded within months of one another. So uh, things are something's going on right now. So uh, Gia Tolentino, first of all, welcome to our show.
0: Thanks for having me. So.
3: Let's start with the kind of um, pop culture symbolic part uh, uh, of this phenomenon. Vaping is so new. Uh, Has it acquired some kind of, I don't know, understandable symbolic vocabulary? If we see somebody uh, vaping uh, in, in a cultural context, do we know what that means?
0: Yeah, well, so vaping, as I wrote in this piece, like cigarettes, you know, they're traditionally, they like symbolize rebellion and cool and, you know, whatever. Vaping is funny, like vaping. The word is funny. Mm. It looks ridiculous, Um, especially like early vapes. Vapes have been around for about a decade. The early ones, you know, they they look like, kind of like big boxes that would just blow that would create these huge obnoxious clouds of vapor. And people looked like these sort of steampunk looking, you know, it looks ridiculous. (laughs) Our celebrity iconography for them is like always already funny. You know, like there are a couple of like iconic shots of like a kind of bloated looking Ben Affleck vaping in his car. It's like people, um, people looking like there's a lot of like Leonardo DiCaprio vaping uh, at award shows. Like recently there was a judge in New York who was vaping on the bench during a murder trial. Mm -hmm. Like, it's funny (laughs) and so it and i have a lot of friends adult friends who are you know smokers who have recently switched i mean people really are switching to this jewel in particular because i mean it's a it's a good satisfying product it's working for switching where almost every almost nothing has before but for teens it's a completely different teens being the part of the american population that is Vaping without ever having smoked before, which is not what these companies necessarily want. It's really bad for their image, but for better or worse, like all these teens are vaping. And for them, it's like this performative, ironic, like kind of manic social media thing.
3: Right. I want to talk a little bit about that. But just to back up for two seconds, um, you know, I was, uh, I, you might not have been able to hear it, but I was talking to David Edelstein before and he was talking about the Sigourney Weaver character in Avatar. And I found myself thinking, mm-hmm. no little kid is going to be watching yeah. Avatar and say, oh, I want to smoke like that old lady. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think that that would be necessarily an influence uh, for a young person. Well- but yeah, go ahead.
0: I I don't know. I mean, I think that um, these, to me, the reason why kids have started vaping is because they have inherited the sort of kind of Lingering cultural idea that it's cool to do something that's like smoking. You know, like it's it's cool to have something to do with your hands at a party. It's cool to have a reason to leave and do something outside with like one other person. It's cool to have a reason to approach somebody and like put your mouth on something like there's like there's it's cool to have this like oral fixation, this like stupid little tick. Um, they kind of have this like lingering, kind of subconscious, I would guess, idea that smoking something like a smoking ritual is cool however they i mean the anti-tobacco campaign has been very successful with i mean i grew up knowing cigarettes were horrible for you i still smoked a little bit um these kids i mean nobody smokes cigarettes at high school parties anymore like in college like smoking is way down even among like you know heavy drinkers like a lot of it is vaping now so they i think kind of think it something about it You know, is some sort of cool, but cigarettes themselves, as objects, they see as like, you know, toxic and disgusting and for old people.
3: Right. I've never had an argument with David Edelstein in my life, and we've had a lot of them. So I didn't even try this. But I do feel as though, well, for example, in in the series The Leftovers, which was, you know, in many ways, a massive meditation on smoking, I think in the final episode or close to it, um, uh, the character played by Carrie Coon, uh, Nora, says something, I I guess it's Amy Brenneman says, you know, to her, you know, smoking is really, really bad for you. And, And Nora says, I know, that's what makes it so incredibly cool. Uh, I don't think she says incredibly either. But um, and, and, and I mean, that's the problem, right? The more that you try to call attention to anything's toxic qualities, whether it's tobacco or vaping, uh, to the dangers of it, you are you can't because you can't ultimately prohibit it any more than prohibition worked with alcohol.
0: Totally. And, and teenagers, I mean, people. I mean, I still fall into this to a large degree. I mean, teenagers feel like they're immortal. They feel like they're going to live forever. They like things that um, challenge that. I mean, I definitely did, and I you know still do plenty of things that, you know, like, um, like people don't operate on on logical principles when it comes to substances.
3: Right. I am probably going to consume some bourbon at some point Yeah, today. exactly. Yeah.
0: Like I had an extra glass of wine last night that, you know, like wasn't necessarily sensible for a Wednesday. Like, but, you know. <laughs>
3: but I would argue that, uh, and I know less about this than you do, that vaping kind of hasn't found its place culturally, not only just behaviorally in, in the stuff that you're talking about. And one of the things you, you do talk about, and I, I wouldn't looked at them, are these teenagers who make these videos where they just sort of mess around with vaping and see how many huge clouds of steam or whatever it is that they, they can possibly blow out and stuff like that. But I feel as though even within our understanding in the culture, I think vaping is too young for, for the culture to know what it means. Uh, well, yeah.
0: yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, it, it's barely appeared in movies. It, it's appears, like I said, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, so when it appears, it will mostly be a joke, like it will be a commentary on somebody being like a ridiculous character the thing is, is that teenagers are minting this sort of iconography at a horizontal level for and by each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, I think there is a pretty well-established paradigm for what vaping is, but it is um, because it, it exists mostly on social media, which is kind of necessarily hyper-targeted. So adults don't know about it and it doesn't breach their like sphere of attention at all.
3: Right. I, I would call your attention to uh, the most recent season of, of, of True Detective, where... Uh, after, oh, yeah, just uh, a Rachel McAdams
0: vape or
3: something. You know, well, yeah, we, we can't actually say the quote on the air, but she's vaping. Colin Farrell is watching her do it, do that. They're in a car together, um, and she uh, she he asks her a couple of questions about it. And then he, he said, I could never get past the idea that I was filleting a robot. That's right. not exactly how he puts it, but that's what he means. And right, b- right. But by the end of the series, they're all smoking cigarettes because they think they're going to die. Uh, Right. Um, and and I, I watched that progression and I thought there's some kind of iconography there. Right. That, you know, vaping is the thing you're doing when you're trying to do something that's dangerous, but do it safely uh, yeah. and maybe diluting yourself.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I think vaping um, there. Uh, I think like there is there are clear reasons to be you know, worried about young people picking this up before they've ever, I mean, cause they are giving, a lot of them will give themselves nicotine addictions, mm. but it's, it is not like it is very, because nicotine has been associated with cigarettes uh, like so inextricably and for so long. I mean a lot, it's I think it's something like 40% of smokers think that nicotine causes cancer. You know, it does not at all. Mm. Like nicotine is not a carcinogenic substance. So, you know, it's, people are deluding themselves that it, that it's harmless, but it is a lot less harmful than smoking, like meaningfully so. And there are like significant health benefits to switching from off cigarettes at any age. Um, it's like never too late to quit, which is what people always say. Um, so, you know, pe- it, it's not harmless, but
3: um well, yeah, in, in your yeah. piece, you point out too. you point to a study by a Georgetown oncology professor, which concluded that six point six million lives would be saved if we switched 10 percent of American smokers to e-cigarettes every year for the next 10 years. That's yeah, there's something about smoking.
0: I mean, also like people it's it's really just um you know, wealthy and well-educated people have, are barely smoked now, mm-hmm. you know, but, but people like it's in a lot of ways, smoking has just gotten more segregated, you know, like there are communities in which a lot of, like, I think in some communities people sort of forget that smoking is still incredibly prevalent, you know, and the death toll, like, yeah, that, I think maybe the same doctor, you know, it's like 130,000 people die or, or whatever he said, like 1,300 people die every day or something. It was like three mm. jumbo jets crashing every single day mm. with zero survivors, and that's the death toll from smoking.
3: All right, Gia Tolentino, we have to stop it here. It's fascinating stuff. Uh, staff writer for The New Yorker, her story The Vapors appears in the May 14th issue. She is joining us or has joined us via Skype. This was an interesting show. There were times at which it wasn't the show that I was imagining I was going to do, but um, it was an interesting show. I would like to conclude by saying, don't smoke. If you're smoking now, stop smoking. It's bad for you. Um, Please don't conclude from anything that was said on this show that there's any other way to think about smoking. Uh, uh, uh,
2: Just like this saddened for a while Thought of your face and that brought me a smile